We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am the host, as always. Excited to uh, dive into uh, a... F- I- we'll have fun today. We'll make it fun. You know, this is not a super <laughs> great episode, but uh, in terms of the topics at hand, but, you know, we'll make it fun as we always do. So uh, here today to talk about Woo. the uh, linebacker class uh, with me is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How's it going? I tried to get sick. I tried to contract every disease I could to get out of this, but we got to do it. We're going to talk to linebacker class today. <laughs> this is one uh, that we kept on pushing off and pushing off. And, uh, you know, we, we had to get it in at some point. So uh, we're going to have some other things to talk about. You know, thankfully, the uh, the Chargers did us a, a few favors by, you know, having some good quotes down at the uh, ownership meeting. So we'll talk about uh, some takeaways there, including maybe potentially the Chargers trading down, some offensive line movement, and some other things. We'll see how that conversation goes. Um, and then, like I said, we'll we'll, we'll rank the uh, linebacker classes in this episode. So um, <laughs> it's going to be a fun one. So before we get to that point, uh, we do really encourage you guys to go check us out on YouTube or wherever you guys are listening to us on audio platform. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a rating or review. Uh, if you are watching this, please like the video, subscribe, let us know comment wise if you could, uh, you know, what you think of our of our conversations today. So give us some feedback on the stuff that we talk about. So uh, any positive feedback, we appreciate 
and uh, all those comments on YouTube, rankings, reviews, definitely uh, help us out, continue to grow the show. So that being said, Tyler, uh, we'll start with some takeaways from uh, the ownership meetings from the media appearances from Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco. Uh, Did you have one in particular that really kind of caught your eye from this uh, earlier this week? Yes, and maybe this is just wishful thinking or trying to create this and put this into existence, but it's this idea that the Chargers are actually comfortable with trading down and have said it both with Telesco and Staley. The quote is um, from Telesco, certainly when you're in that late first, there's probably a little bit more of a thought. Telesco added of trading back from 21. Essentially, at that point, you're taking a player that you you at least have graded as a second-round player. That's all really subjective, but if you can trade back a little bit and pick up and still get um, and maybe even the same player or close to the same player, and it's a pretty good deal to do. Um, and then Staley later, or before I should say, echoed where we're picking. It's wide open. I think in this draft, sort of later in the first round, early in the second round, there's going to be a bunch of good players there to draft. I know that Tom and I feel that way about this draft. Now, Telesco did say that there were 16 to 19 first round grades they typically have. I don't know if that's his entire tenure. I don't know if that's just the Staley era, but going into this draft, it sounds like they're going to maybe have between 16 and 19. If I'm guessing based on this class, it's closer to 16 than 19. So to me, it's one of two things. One, somebody like a Bijan Robinson, who they probably have a first round grade on, falls to them at 21. If not, they know that they're very comfortable with a lot of guys, as I think every Chargers fan is, and yeah. at least you and I are, they're comfortable trading back. And I think that I know it's coach speak. You know, they're probably saying all the right things anyway. But I genuinely do feel like this is the right class for that. Both of them saying the same thing at the same time, I think is notable. And I really do think that if you're Nolan Smith, Bijan Robinson, you know, whoever they have a first round grade on is not there, I do think that they trade back. And I think that they haven't acquired enough players yet in free agency for me to say that they wouldn't do that because I really think they're trying to bank on getting one or two more picks to really fill out the depth of their roster. Yeah, uh, from a pure grade perspective, like I think that that part of it is definitely important to touch on. Um, you know, I'm not grading quarterbacks this year. Um, right now, I have uh, 14 first round grades. Um, this is a very you know low receiver class, and I haven't I haven't finished you know every like high end prospect. So maybe like a John Michael Schmitz, the center from from Minnesota, kind of surprises me, and and you know I end up putting him a first a first round grade on him. But for the most part, I, I don't think there's going to be another player that I'm going to definitely slap a first round grade on. So 14 for me, minus the quarterbacks, you know, that kind of lines up with like, generally speaking, where most people have this class, because obviously most people have a quarterback, a first round grade on on the big four, if you will, in terms of quarterbacks. So, um, you know, that part of this is really important because at 21, sure, there's somebody that could drop to you. You know, maybe there's like you're talking about Bijan Robinson, Nolan Smith, because he's lighter. Um, you know, one of the tight ends, maybe, you know, depending on how you feel about them and, and how you feel about Dalton Kincaid's back injury, which, as I've said before, shouldn't really be that much of a concern. So there's a chance that somebody falls to you at 21 because of the four quarterbacks. And that's something that Brandon Staley talked about. But there's also a chance that all of those guys are gone that you're talking about, you know, at that point being into the second round grades. And this is another thing I've talked about, uh, at least on Twitter, like there's not really much of a difference between you know, player number 20 on your board and player number 40, right? Like there's just not. And so, you know, we've said from the beginning, like trading down makes a lot of sense financially for this team. It makes a lot of sense from a depth perspective. 
you know, being able to get another top 100 pick would be huge. But this is really the first time I can remember that Tom Telesco has like openly talked about trading down this much uh, yep. leading into the draft. So, you know, even at the combine, he was like, yeah, we have seven picks right now. We might get eight or nine. Who knows? It's like, oh, Tom Telesco talking about trading down. Like what's, <laughs> what's going on right now? So it is notable, right? Because Tom doesn't let a lot of things slip. But this is now the second time that he's talked about trading down. So I think this is definitely important. I think it definitely is on their minds. It does take two to tango. You know, you have to be able to convince a team or, you know, the board has to convince the team that they need to move up. So we'll see what ultimately happens there. But like I said, I think that it is definitely important that Tom Telesco is talking about it this openly already. Yeah, I'd be really curious. You'll never really know. They're not going to make this decision two days before the draft. It's going to be literally right. like, you know, pick 19, pick 20. Then somebody's going to start calling them and, you know, seeing what they can do. So I'd be really curious who they're comfortable moving away from. Like if, if B. John Robinson is there at 21, is it more worth it to you to trade back? Let someone else take B. John and then get Brian Branch and use a fourth on a running back. Or I don't know, whatever it is. Like, sure. I'm curious what is more worth it to them taking that player or trading back. Again, we've never seen it, but this regime, the Staley regime is all about new things that we haven't seen from Tom Telesco. And so them trading back, I think, makes a ton of sense. I don't know who's involved with their like draft analysis of who... You know, compensation here trading here going back oh there goes my dog um so i don't know if like cody shada for example who i believe is no longer there i don't believe um i don't know how involved he was but he was a big analytics guy to the head coach um so maybe things change but to me like looking at my board my board who cares right but i, I haven't i haven't graded the tackles i haven't graded the corners i'm not really through all the safeties but there's there's 20 something second round grades on guys sitting here yeah and i'd be happy with a lot of like the 15 or so first guys on there in that in that second round range so i think the chargers feel the same way i think most people in the draft feel the same way the other thing is though if all of us want to trade down we all believe that it's better to stack picks in this draft than move up i think most teams are going to also feel that same way yeah so it, it would just take like if the Chargers don't think like Lucas Van Ness is a fit for their team, it would take something like that, like where a team would want to go up and get a player that's really good, but that is also definitely not a fit for the Chargers defense or offense specifically, something like that. Yeah, you know, um, Alex Katzen and I did the trade up video and a lot of people did not like it, even though we were just like, you know, running through some uh, possibilities there. But in terms of trading down, like I think, Traditionally speaking, you know, obviously people will trade up for a quarterback. Um, you know, that either requires a team to be, you know, very keen on jumping the Vikings, the Ravens, who have been kind of floated as as potential like Hendon Hooker options. That's a little early, in my opinion, for Hendon Hooker. I mean, like Arjun pointed out, you know, he's going to be 25 as a rookie and he's not he's probably not playing from day one. So that kind of is out of the window. But what is possible, right? is the Ravens, the Vikings, the Giants. Those three teams all need wide receivers, right? They've, they've all been linked to wide receivers. And you could argue the Jaguars as well, even though they they just uh, they have Calvin Ridley back now is going to be wearing number zero, which I think is fun. Um, but trading down for – or trading up for a wide receiver, I think, is an important conversation here. And I know people will hate it if the Chargers trade down and whoever trades up with them is taking a wide receiver, especially if it's like Zay Flowers – but that's that's really like the most likely conversation there. Maybe it's a cornerback because, you know, that's another one that uh, that's a good you know, point. The Ravens and Vikings mm -hmm. both need a cornerback. So, you know, maybe if like Deontay Banks and Joey Porter are both on the board still, 
then maybe the Chargers mm-hmm. are able to you know trade back a few spots and, and get uh, get to that point. But um, if you're wanting the Chargers to trade down, I think you want all of the receivers. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba has kind of done enough for him to probably go top 15. Yeah. But you want Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnston, Jalen Hyatt, all on the board at that point at pick 21. And then, you know, maybe you convince the Giants to move up a few spots and get the second receiver off of the board. Mm-hmm. And then you're sitting at pick 25 and you can, you know, take one of the pass rushers and take one of the tight ends at that point. So um, a trade down scenario, I think, is, is definitely possible this year because the Chargers don't necessarily need a wide receiver. And that range, like 21 to 25, seems like prime Quentin Johnston, Zay Flowers mm-hmm. spots for, for this draft. Yeah, and it's really all about flavor, and I'm, I'm happy with either. I was going through the list of players that are probably going to be there. When we do a mock draft, there's like 10 players that I'd be happy with at 21, honestly, and even some yeah. that are projected reaches, maybe like a Darnell Washington is sort of a projected reach right now. But I'd be happy with that too, so I'm, I'm all for it. I would love for the receivers to be on the board. I, it would be tough, you know, if some people really want Zay Flowers, of course, they trade back, don't get Zay Flowers. But I think that... I, I just don't believe that they're going to go for receiver in round one. Even if they do, if you're telling me, you know, Zay Flowers at 21 or trade back and take Hyatt and then with the third or fourth you get, you go get Tucker Craft or something. Sorry, sure. I'm, I'm going to go get Hyatt yeah. and Tucker Craft all day long. Yeah, we've we've talked about the wide receiver class a bunch at this point, so I don't want to like repeat takes here. Yeah. But- um, I think the point that you made on Twitter the other day is important because obviously we know that Tom Telesco has a type when it comes to wide receivers. Um, and, you know, this is something that a lot of people who have been there have talked about. And, you know, whether that's, you know, Hayden Winks, who was in the Chargers office, you know, or Brenton Weissman, they have a type. And, you know, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison don't really fit that type. So um, I think that is an important conversation. And then you also brought up all of the receivers that have been in Dallas since Kellen Moore has been there. And it's the same kind of height, weight, speed guys. Like I think CD lamb is more athletic than his RES would indicate. Um, and I think that's been proven over time, but you know, I, I have always had a hard time believing that Tom Telesco is going to sign off on taking a small receiver. Like I just, it's just not something we see traditionally. And again, like you're saying earlier, maybe Staley is kind of changing things up in that regard, but I, I don't know. I just, I have a hard time picturing still to this day that, Tom Telesco is going to draft a small wide receiver. Yeah. Thank you for bringing up the point that I brought up that I forgot that I brought up. <laughs> um, I just tweeted notable, you know, yeah, notable chargers and Dallas wide receivers. And I'll just go through real quick, like just the, the heights and, and even weights for that matter. You know, 6'2", 206, 5'10", 163, 6'3", 6'4", 6'3", 6'2", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 
Um, we know that Senior Bowl has been, you know, big for them in the past, but you know, we've we've heard more from the Shrine Bowl, you know, standouts in that regard. So, um, you know, good conversation about trading down. Hopefully, it comes to fruition, man, because this team definitely needs uh, more picks. I mean, now it's been coming out that they're interested in Max Duggan and this this day three quarterback class. And if you're wasting one of your seven picks on a backup on a third quarterback, I don't know, man. Like, I think you, you probably need to trade down in order to make that a little bit more uh, feasible. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Fine. Uh was Palmer uh the same guy that worked with Herbert? Who works with uh, Herbert? Same company. So okay. um John Beck That's works right. under Jordan Palmer, who uh who they do like private training. Cool. Uh yeah, kind of a, a branch off here from Renee. Um, what do you think the chances of them completely trading out of the first round are? Um, I mean, you one, do they trade back at all? Two, do they trade out of the first round? They've always picked in the first round, so I think they're going to trade back, but still aim to get that five years of of a yeah. deal, especially with Justin Herbert's contract. Like, if it's a receiver you want, you want that receiver for five years, not four, if possible. Yeah, hundred percent. I think the fifth year option, I think, is too valuable, especially for this team to be able to have that cost control for for five years and. If it's B. John Robinson, right? Like, you know, who knows if he would still be there oh, if you yeah. trade down. Uh, but, you know, you want that fifth-year option for a running back. So I wouldn't necessarily rule out completely trading out of the first round. Sure. But, again, like, <laughs> Tom Delisco has never traded down at all. So him trading out completely from the first round uh, would be definitely unprecedented. Yeah. Um, all right, so one of the other uh, takeaways here from the media appearances has to be the offensive line conversation around Zion Johnson and Jamari Sawyer. A uh, little bit of a contradictory stance from the, the two, uh, from the head coach and from the GM. Uh, Brandon Staley called left guard Jamari Sawyer's natural position. Um, and, you know, he's he's really emphasized continuity at this point. And then Tom Telesco says that, no, no, no. Zion Johnson is switching back to his uh, college left guard spot, and Jamari is going to play right guard. So, Tyler, where, do, where are you at with the whole changing positions here for, for Zion and Jamari? I, well, my first thought was exactly where I was last year, which was, well, okay, if they change now, they won't have to change again. But then that's how I felt last year. Okay, Jamari, or, you know, Zion Johnson, you know, he'll switch to right guard, but he'll never have to do it again. And so it's, it'll be rough in year one, but then things will get figured out. And we'll be good. You know, the next decade or so, he's a right guard. That's fine. So them switching back, I I don't know. They must, I'm guessing, this is sort of like more Kellen, more input, I think, this one. If they had changed offensive line coaches, then like maybe, you know, it would have been the offensive line coach or something. But to me, I feel like Kellen more wants something out of the left side of the line that Zion can provide (laughs) over there. Frankly, the other thing too is that if you have to prioritize somebody, in this offense in the, on the offensive line between Jamari and Zion, you have to prove that you were right with Zion Johnson. He's your first round pick. You invested the most in him. And sure. so I think you have to set him up to succeed the most to kind of show that you made the right pick. And so I think that this also sets up Zion to be the most successful he can be. I think moving forward back to the quote unquote natural position between Rashawn Slater and Corey Lindsley, it will literally never get better than that in his entire career. That is as good as it's going to get ever, sure. I think, for, for Zion Johnson. So 
I was puzzled at first. Um, I don't like the idea of assuming Jamari can now just pick up right guard. Um, the idea was he, you know, he worked at left guard. Yeah, he was solid at left tackle, but like he was always on the left side of the line. You're doing things a certain way from the left side. Switching to right guard next to, you know, Trey Pipkins, who he doesn't have that same chemistry with. I have more question marks more about Jamari now. And he's the player that, you know, coming out of the draft, you had more question marks about. So, you know, I, I think Zion has shown enough. And of course, in college where I'm, I think I'm fine with this, he's going to be awesome. I don't worry about Zion. Now it's more about Jamari and me worrying that like, I don't know for sure how this is going to work out. And I think he would be better suited to be between, you know, Lindsley and, and Slater because they're the better players can work with him more. Um, but again, if this works out all good, you know, I guess it doesn't really matter in the end. I think even Telesco said like, I don't know, right guard, left guard, who cares? Um, which, you know, whatever, that's a bit head scratching, but <laughs> let it work, I guess. Yeah, I mean, everything that the Chargers have done from an offensive line perspective since Brandon Staley took over has been to minimize moving spots, maximize continuity. And we've seen that time and time again, whether that's, you know, inserting Storm Norton and right tackle, whether that's, you know, uh, not being super flexible with Trey in 2021, um, whether that's, you know, left tackle or that's the game that Matt Filer missed, right? Like, you know, Matt, Matt Filer never playing right tackle. Like everything has been about maximizing continuity, minimizing the risk of, of switching positions. So I have a hard, like, I have a hard time believing that this is ultimately what happens. Like, I think from a Zion perspective, getting him back to where he feels comfortable, 100%, I get that. Um, I think that he showed enough flexibility to be able to play on the right side. And we, we talked about, you know, his successes last year as a right guard and being able to, you know, handle the responsibility that they were giving him as, as kind of the, 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 the linchpin of the run game and also handling one-on-one uh, protections against some of the best defensive tackles in the league. So I think Zion showed enough last year for me to think that he can still reach that ceiling at right guard that you would have him as playing as a left guard. Same thing with Jamari. I'm comfortable with him switching. He played right guard a little bit in college. Um, but like part of the reason I wanted Trey Pipkins back so heavily was so Zion and Trey could continue to build off of last year. And like that continuity to me matters so much. And I think it matters in general. Right. So it's an interesting balance because like pretty clearly like Zion's better than Jamari. Rashawn is better than, than Trey. So do you want to balance out the talent or do you want to say, we're just going to assemble the, the ass kicking left side as much as we possibly can? which in a vacuum is going to be a ton of fun. I'm going to love watching Sean Slater <laughs> and Zion Johnson working together. Uh, but it just, it creates a little bit too many moving parts for my, for my liking at this point. And again, you know, this could certainly work out great, but to me, it just, it, it, it's such an easy math situation, right? Where you just, you plug in Jamari left guard and you're set, right? You have all five spots locked and loaded. There's no concerns. We know that Zion can play right guard. We know that Jamari can play left guard. And let's just rock and roll with that group. So I like in a vacuum, I, I like the solution, but I think it does create a little too many moving parts, in my opinion. Of course, I'm trying to type in one more thing. I was looking at Dylan Parham from last year. Someone tweeted this out and I thought it was interesting where Parham played his natural college position for two games for the Raiders and then gave up like two pressures in those games. And then he played, then they switched him to the other side, the other guard spot, and he gave up 
50 something um, throughout the entire season. Um, but it just kind of a, a stuck out in my brain for something like Zion Johnson. I, I really just sure. think you think they're not going to move these guys. I think they are. I think that they're going to prioritize Zion's development um, sure. and keep him there forever. Because if Jamari doesn't work out, you just replace him with the next guy, the next free agent. He's a sixth round pick like to them. He's a sixth round pick who's played great, but he's a sixth round pick. Zion has to work. He has to hit. You're going to pay him a lot of money. You have to make him work. So I think you put him at left guard and then Jamari, you get your shot at right guard. You draft someone in the draft. It doesn't work out. You know, there's there's someone in 2024 that's different. Sure. I think that's totally possible as well. Um, you know, I guess we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, all right. One other thing that I did want to touch on here, just, you know, at least briefly, was Brandon Staley's quote about Eric Kendricks. Um, we obviously talked a lot about uh, the departed player, but we haven't really talked a ton about like what Eric Kendricks is actually going to bring to this team. Um, and I thought that Brandon Staley's quote about Eric Kendricks really stood out to me. So um, Staley said, quote, he's one of the most complete linebackers in the last decade. You're talking about five to seven players that are as complete as a linebacker as he is. His instincts, his key diagnose, his ability to communicate, and that energy in the middle, a true commander. A tackling machine, sideline to sideline in the box, physicality. He's one of the best passing game linebackers in the last decade. He comes from a pattern match scheme in Mike Zimmer, which is how we play. So the scheme transition is seamless, end quote. So I thought that, that the way that he was talking about Eric Kendricks was – uh, really insightful to why they wanted to go out and sign him. And, you know, we've heard little bits and pieces from like Troy Reader has talked about it and Tranquil and Kaiser White about just like the mental capacity you have to have to play linebacker in this kind of system. And I think it's pretty clear that Staley is very, very excited to work with somebody like Eric Kendricks who has that kind of experience in a, in a similar system, which I thought was also kind of interesting because you don't usually hear like Mike Zimmer, Vic Fangio being, you know, similar schemes. So I thought his quote about Eric Kendricks definitely stood out. Yeah, I had to do a double take with that scheme comparison. Um, The quotes, the the comments really kind of remind me of how we talked about Bryce Callahan last year, where it's like, this is one of the best slot corners in the league. You know, we're going to have guys maybe come in and compete or whatever, like Jaw Taylor will get some reps or maybe ASJ will get some reps. Bryce Callahan's one of the best slot corners in the league, and he's going to start, and he's going to be awesome. And lo and behold, he was. Um, again, he was very effusive of his praise for J.C. Jackson. That didn't work out as much, but we didn't really get to see that. But sure. Kendricks, man, like what the way he was describing him, not that I expect him to say anything all that different, but he really believes in this guy Like from the jump. It's just like enamored with Eric Kendricks and what he can do. And it sounds like, you know, there's a couple of quotes later on, too, about safety as well. It's all about with this team, and it always has been for this team, you know, about the mental processing. He said, I think Staley, the second week of training camp, was saying that one of the things that most impressed him about his defense was that he could close his eyes and know what's going on because of the way the defense was communicating. And so he's got, he's going, okay, the defense is starting to figure out, starting to pick it up. Now, how's it been good? I don't know. But, <laughs> but the communication is there, and they're trying to pick up the cues of what they need. Um, and I think that having Kendricks there just, Again, if he feels that the scheme is similar enough, if he's that good, he's that cerebral, that means a lot for for this defense. And, you know, they need to improve in the run game. They need to improve in, again, coverage. They need to improve in several areas. And they're all in on this guy, Eric Kendricks. And I think that I'm, I'm, on, I'm honestly very excited for this because we've seen 
two players break out back-to-back years, but we've never seen a player who's legitimately for years and years and years been a legit Pro Bowl, all-pro sort of kind of caliber linebacker over and over and over again. And I think just having that stability going into this year, yeah, maybe there's some you know hiccups early on because he's new to this team, but it's so nice to have someone you know is like, that's 150 tackles. That's a guy who can make the Pro Bowl right there, right now. That's the guy that we have at my middle linebacker right now. Yeah, and I think that experience does pay a lot of dividends because we like he knows what it's like to be that middle linebacker. Whereas, you know, the Chargers the past two years, that was never really Kaiser's game, right? Like he was more, he you know, he's drafted to play kind of that Sam spot. You know, he was always off the ball. He was on the weak side. And then same thing with Tranquil. Tranquil was always on the weak side. And now you're you're talking about different responsibilities. Whereas now with Eric Kendricks, like day one, like he's going to come in and he's going to know exactly what they're asking of him. He's going to know exactly how to handle things. And I think that is definitely, you know, an important aspect of, of that signing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, hey, Arjun. Yeah, Arjun's in the chat as well. So, um, all right. So let's, uh, it, the time has come, Tyler, unless you have another takeaway from uh, the comments uh, from the earlier this week. It, just quickly that this is the first time I've seen them criticize a position group that being tight end and that they're always mm-hmm. looking to add. So we, you can go back and look at our tight end episode. But I think that's the first group I can recall, at least the the, the decision makers, criticizing a position group so far. Oof. Arjun in the chat here, dropping a bit of a, a bomb, I guess. He says he had heard from some analytics guys in the league that their metrics had Tranquil as the worst run defending linebacker in the league last year. Uh, I have a question. Are you sure that wasn't Kenneth Murray? <laughs> Uh, yeah, team. he definitely wasn't the worst in the league because he was better than the one on his own team. Um, I, I think that's probably a little bit too harsh on, on Tranquil. I think that, you know, he certainly had his weaknesses, but I thought for the most part he was a very impactful run defender. So, um, you know, excited to see what Eric Kendricks, Eric Kendricks brings. But, um, yes, in terms of the tight ends, we'll we'll have to spend a little bit more time on that at, at some other time. But um, I thought Staley's comment about, vertical angles coming from the tight end position was was definitely something to uh keep an eye on in terms of drafting a potential tight end early on on day two potentially first round we'll see what happens there yeah that definitely piqued my luke musgrave interest and sam laporta we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, with Constant Contact. 
Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Absolutely. All right, so uh, we will definitely have uh, our linebacker conversation now at this point. So, um, you know, this is... This is an interesting group. Um, this is definitely not a a year that you want to be able to draft a true linebacker number one. Uh, but it is is it was it is what it is. Excuse me. There's there's some fun players in here, and they're like in all seriousness, there are some some quality prospects. I do think it's just you know kind of an underwhelming class. So, um, Tyler, why don't you kick us off with your linebacker who just missed your uh, your top ten or top eight, I guess. Okay, linebacker who just missed. I have Ivan Pace Jr. Nope, that's not how you spell it. Ivan Pace Jr. from Cincinnati. Whew, okay, typing. There we go. Um, <laughs> statistically, probably the best of the bunch, I think, in terms of just pure raw numbers. But as you'll see with the, kind of the theme of a lot of the linebackers here, he was used exclusively as that blitzing, rush, attack, guy at Cincinnati at least from what I saw and that netted him 55 pressures yeah 55 pressures 12 sacks 69 run stops which is insane production and from the perspective of a guy you know you can utilize on special teams develop over time you know use him to attack we know Staley loves to blitz a lot of teams love to blitz I'm sure the Chiefs will you know use him to blitz all the time um there's a heck of a lot to like but his role is just so specialized and again a lot of these guys are like this that you're banking on a lot of playmaking ability translating to being a diagnoser and a down-to-down guy in the NFL. Um, and then I guess the, kind of the key tiebreaker here with some guys that are very similar, in my opinion, was that he is 5'10", which is a bit undersized um, by NFL standards. So a lot to like as a playmaker. And again, the, the numbers say that he is a playmaker and he can do a lot of things. But in terms of the linebackery things, and especially the linebackery prototype size, just lacking in that department right now. Yeah, no, I, I think he's got a lot of fun reps on tape, right? Like his his work as a blitzer is probably the best in this class, I would say, in terms of like being an, an impactful rusher. Mm-hmm. Um, so there there is a lot to like. He he's number ten for me right now. So okay, you know he's he just missed my just missed, I guess. Um, <laughs> so there's there's a lot to like. You you're just not getting a true like starter if you if you draft yeah. on the base, and I think his athletic limitations are definitely notable and you talk about size like you watch him on tape and him playing at cincinnati like you watch cincinnati versus like smu and he looks small in that game mm-hmm. like you turn on you know his tape against um notre dame i think they played and he looks tiny man like he's a small linebacker and that's just that's just not my thing <laughs> so college linebackers it's it's a frustrating group because there's so many like undersized linebackers who are like former safeties or who are like more like overhang slot defenders who maybe played a little bit of, of, of that role, like Trenton Simpson, for example. Um, and that's just not my thing. Like, I, I think you got to be a little bit bigger. You got to you know bring some size to the table. 
and be able to stack and shed and, and handle the physicality in the box. And there's just not a ton in this group. And, and you know, that's, that's okay, but it's definitely worth talking about. So um, number, uh, not number, I should say, the just missed for me is going to be DeMarvian mm-hmm. or Joan from yeah. Texas. Oops, spelled that wrong. Oh, he he is a he is a longer linebacker. You know, he's he's got some good length to him. He's I think he's six two. Um, he only weighs like two hundred twenty five pounds. So he's he's an athletic freak. The, the RAS score looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. You can see the range. You can see you know the speed popping up from time to time. You can see him excelling in coverage at certain times, especially zone coverages. Um, but again, like he's just he's a bit of a liability in the run game. He's not super physical mm-hmm. at the point of attack. Um, so I'm okay taking a, a chance on him on day three. You know, that athletic profile definitely does pop. Maybe there's there's some things to develop here and take a chance on. Um, but I, I think he's a little bit too space and chase for me. And frankly, you know, the Kenneth Murray scars are real. <laughs> yeah, um, sorry. Of course, it's an ambulance right now if you can hear that. But Demarion Overshowen was actually my number 10. So he's the just miss, just miss. So we're kind of in the same range with him. Yeah, um, they even tried to use him at edge um, against Alabama. Yes. I don't know if there were more plays that were like that in different games, but um, I saw a lot of edge reps, which were fine. But that's like that's not what he. It's not like Sanders, for example, who can actually play edge a lot more. Um, a lot of athleticism, a lot of range. If you want someone who can carry a running back out of the backfield or a tight end of the flat or something, he can do that. He's a rangy guy for sure. Um, just wasn't my favorite, and, and really kind of the theme of this class as well is you know not the best tackler as well. Yeah, that's that's definitely that stands something that stands out on film and, and definitely in statistics as well. Um, middle of the pack missed tackle rate for for the last two seasons. So mm-hmm. um, I'll go next here. Um, you know, uh, number eight, I am going to put my guy Mohamed Diabate, nice. um, Utah slash Florida. At number seven, I'm going to have Dorian Williams from Tulane, who we kind of talked a little bit about when we did our mock draft episode. And then uh, number six, I'm going with Owen Papau. I think it's how you say it. I know there's an Auburn guy who we who that's way cooler. Trip. Owen Papau is way cooler <laughs> than Papo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so you know, I, I don't know if you want to talk about Diabate. I, I guess I can talk about him, but um, Papau, Papo. I think like there's definitely some head scratching plays here, mm-hmm. but if you want the physicality aspect of playing linebacker. I think Popo is probably the best one outside of Drew, uh, outside of, uh, excuse me, Jack Campbell. Um, so he's, he's definitely not afraid to come up and hit a guard and, and take mm-hmm. him head up and be able to really put his body on the line. There is some elements of Denzel Perryman where it's a, a little too reckless at certain times, which mm-hmm. gets him in trouble a little bit. He's, he's a little too casual of how he's going to, you know, throw his body out there. But, um, in a class that really kind of lacks that that oomph, that physicality, Papau does stand out to me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he does mm-hmm. have the size. He does have a frame that really kind of lends itself towards him adding like some natural weight and bulking up in the NFL. So uh, Papau, I know he, I think he was like the number one linebacker of his class. Mm-hmm. I think Auburn fans probably feel like he, he disappointed a little bit in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's definitely some untapped potential there from a physicality standpoint, you know, if you can kind of hone in the technique, hone in the recklessness, um, Papau is mm. somebody I, I would be 
a little bit more interested in on day three. Awesome. I have not watched him, so I, I'd love to watch him. I've also not watched Diabate. So if you'd like to talk about your Utah guy, <laughs> please. Yeah, Diabate is a guy who uh, he's a bit of a tweener. You know, he he he. They brought him in because they wanted somebody to replace Devin Lloyd, and you know something that made Devin Lloyd so good is that he could play on the edge from time to time. He could you know rush very effectively as a blitzer, and so Diabate has some kind of overlap there. I think he's the second most athletic linebacker in the class, according to the RAS page. Oh, wow. okay. um, he definitely is smaller. I think he's only like six feet tall. He's like 225 pounds. So it, it's it's a bit too much of a project for me. And in a normal linebacker class, he probably doesn't even make this this list. Um, so there, there's athleticism, athleticism there. His ability as a blitzer is fantastic. Um, you know, definitely could be a special teams demon in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, just from that sheer speed, uh, speed, height, weight profile. Um, there's just not a lot of true like linebacker stuff. Mm. Like, if you watch the Florida, uh, you know the Florida tape, it's really frustrating because we were all expecting a revenge game, and they just <laughs> went right at him, man. Like they oh. knew exactly how to attack <laughs> him, and whether it was like. Uh, misdiagnosing things, whether it was mm-hmm. not being able to handle the the blocking scheme, there's just not a, a ton of true linebacker stuff there. So yeah, very athletic, probably the the you know second most athletic linebacker in this class. But he's a, he's a work in progress because he hasn't really done enough of the true linebacker stuff you know throughout his life. Yeah, I will say if you're looking for a special teams linebacker, there's a lot of dudes like all these guys are going to be awesome on special teams. Yeah. They're all so freaky athletic, so productive. So, yeah, I think I'll have to watch him. I'll have to give him a watch for sure. Although he is number eight on your list. So I don't know if that's like a, <laughs> now a that we've each graded 10. We're like, uh, <laughs> like Gavino's in the chat. Gavino mentioned the uh, I think the Wake Forest one. I'm like, uh, I don't know if I want to watch another one, but uh, I appreciate Gavino's scouting report. <laughs> Yes, no, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let linebackers be, and if they draft one, by golly, I will watch them. But uh, that, <laughs> I, I'm good for now, though. Thank you. Yeah. Um, all right. At number eight, I have Dorian Williams out of Tulane. I guess I could have just copy pasted that. Um, at number seven, God help me, I have Henry Tooto Tooto O out of Alabama. And at number six, I have Noah Sewell. Nope, from Oregon, who was really good against Utah, and then I didn't think he was good after that. Um, <laughs> to Oto is the guy that I'd like to talk about either first or I guess first. Yeah, go for um, it. Just got to point out that he was at Tennessee for two years while Derek Ansley was the defensive coordinator there, so that's probably worth remembering when you're doing your mock drafts, I guess. Yeah. Um, he does a ton of the linebackery things, right? He does the stuff that you'd like to see. He is physical and he does like to work downhill. Um, it's evident and when he's one of the you know better run stop and average depth of tackle guys in this class. Um, I think he does carry running backs and tight ends well. You know, again, Alabama defensive player is athletic and plays good football. That's him. Like he, he's a guy <laughs> who's very talented. Wouldn't surprise me if he was a four or five star sort of guy. Um, if he wasn't fine. Um he can carry those running backs and tight ends well. I don't love him as like a slot corner type or something like a Brian Branch, for example. Um, I don't think he's like a, a great coverage linebacker from that man-on-man perspective. But doing the necessary linebacker things, I think he's good there. Um, it was really impressive that he went to war with Darnell Washington. There's a couple moments where he has to just meet Darnell Washington as a blocker. And 
Oh, Washington definitely got some wins in there, of course, as someone that big is often to do. But he also got in his licks as well. And in coverage, it was a good back and forth there as well. There were some really good coverage reps by him. Then Washington would score a touchdown because he's 32 feet taller than he is. And, that, <laughs> and then to to O would you know break up a pass. It's like, okay, that's a really good battle there for someone. Like, it's very difficult to cover Darnell Washington or go up against him in the blocking game. So that's really impressive. Um, smart player, four years of good production, um, 43 pressures, eight sacks, 256 tackles, 140 run stops in four years. And he could easily be linebacker two or three in this class if not for one thing. The one thing that I haven't mentioned yet that always kills prospects for me. Missed tackles. And he has, in four years, 60 missed tackles. For reference, although he played fewer snaps, JT Woods had 41. Um, there's similar pros and cons there because I don't believe this is a diagnose IQ perspective thing. I think it's more the 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 radar. It's less like broken tackles and like stuff like that. It's more just the radar and the tracking that seems to be an issue. So you get a lot of good things out of him. And again, like he, based on the stuff that he can do, and you kind of have to look at this list as like, a, what can these, what can these guys do right now? Yeah, he can do a lot as much as a lot of guys on this list. But the sixty mixed missed tackles in four years is a lot, and it's like. 14, 15, 17, 14, or something like that for all four years. It's not like this is a rookie thing, you know, for a freshman thing that he ironed out. It's just consistently a problem. So he's not higher. Yeah, I didn't end up grading him um, for a lot of what you said in terms of the missed tackle rate. And again, he's kind of a smaller player, so I didn't, you know, prioritize him. Um, I think his RES isn't necessarily that great either. But, you know, when you're watching Alabama, he's definitely somebody that pops out, right? He's definitely somebody that, is able to you know showcase his ability to properly that properly diagnose somebody and i think he's in terms of like college linebacker i think he's definitely one of the more consistent linebackers that you watch mm -hmm. i just questioned like really how does his size and athletic profile really translate to the nfl so um i didn't necessarily prioritize grading him in this class yeah i get it all right, so you have Noah Sua at number five. At number six, I have him at number five. I wish this were differently, um, you know, because like, yeah, in a class that like really needs like some physicality <laughs> and size, like mm -hmm. Noah Sewell should be that guy. Mm -hmm. And I think he showed glimpses of being that guy earlier in his career, mm -hmm. um, but it just it, it was not a, a great season for him uh, this past year at Oregon. So you know that's why I have him lower. I wish. Oh, why is that so little? Okay, that's weird. Dean Henry. <laughs> um, number four, I have <laughs> Diane. I'm gonna say Diane. I don't know. I don't know, uh, Mr. Henley. And then number three, I have Trenton Simpson from Clemson. So again, I'll talk about Sewell in, in kind of maybe a more positive light because okay. I do think that they're. Again, like the size really should stand out in this class. And he, he ran a little bit better than I think a lot of people were expecting at the combine. Mm. Um, but what you, if you're able to get the 2021 and 2020 versions of Noah Sewell back out of him, I think you can definitely get, you know, a starter quality linebacker in this class. Like I think if you are a scheme that can get him being aggressive and triggering downhill – you, you could potentially get the best linebacker in this class. But I think this past season in the Georgia scheme versus the previous Oregon scheme, 
uh, you know, because that's where their new head coach came from. I think he was asked to do a little too much like space and chase. And I think that really messed with his confidence. I think it put too much on his plate from a from a diagnosing standpoint. But if you're just going to ask him to come downhill and play the run, I think he's one of the better linebackers in this class. So there's there's some athleticism concerns for some people, and I understand mm-hmm. that. And I think from a coverage standpoint, you know, there there are other concerns as well in terms of like zone coverage. But, um, you know, in this class where you're like really looking for size, really looking for physicality, mm-hmm. I think if you draft Noah Sewell and put him in a scheme where you're not going to ask him to be a key third down player, you're not going to ask him to be like a, you know, carry tight ends across the field or, or carry wide receivers across the field. You can get some really quality football out of Noah Sewell, but he's definitely scheme dependent in the right system. I think he could work, but if you're going to come in and ask him to be a three down player, be a coverage player, you mm-hmm. know, go out in space, run sideline to sideline, I think you'll be disappointed. So again, kind of specializing these players, but if you're a, a coach who who knows that you can just be physical with him, I think you can bring some value to your team. Yeah, there was a play in the Utah game where he didn't like they Utah convert on fourth and short or whatever it was for a first down, and maybe to a quarterback sneak, but like he was just lined up there and going to war with the offensive line um, mm-hmm. and almost held it himself. And it's like, wow, this, this is in 2021. Yeah. You're thinking like this dude is in the trenches, and you look at him, and it's a game with multiple run stops and pressures and an interception where you know he picks off sitting in zone breaks in front of a slant and picks it off it's like wow you know that's yeah. the first game i started with him and i thought why is this dude not getting more and then you just go to 2022 and you're just not seeing the same guy and you know the missed tackle rate isn't so great yeah. i was hoping for at least like a, a darian beavers out of cincinnati last year where mm. like okay maybe like he's not a great coverage guy maybe he's you know but he's like a big dude you know i think beavers is like two inches or three inches taller um, but they're still thicker guys. And I was so hoping for at least like yeah. a downhill thumper or something. And I just didn't get to see that. So if you take him and you can get him back to where he was, wouldn't surprise me if he's one of the two or three best linebackers in this class when all is said and done. But where he was in 2022 just wasn't enough for me. So yeah, he's at six, five for you. Um, you called him, you know, we talked a message before this, like kind of disappointing. And I would say that's 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 true. Like I didn't have any expectations going in. But after that 2021 game, I'm like, this is the guy. I'm going to yeah. love this player. And I just didn't after that. Yeah, he's definitely a box player. Like, you want, like, an yeah. old-school linebacker. Like, you know, a couple of people on, on draft podcasts I've listened to have said it. He's like a perfect Patriots linebacker, right? Like, you know, mm. you have him rush the passer on third down as opposed to covering. And you can get a lot of value out of Noah Sewell. But, you know, in terms of, like, the Chargers and, like, what they like to do with their linebackers, uh, this is not a great fit for him. You no. know, we've, we're seeing consent. A lot of that with Kenneth Murray right now. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, I, I think, you know, in more of a an old school, you know, physical scheme, like maybe Pittsburgh is a, is a good spot for him too. Mm-hmm. you know, somebody that will just let him be a box linebacker. That's where you want him to, to thrive in. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> OK, I will jump into my list. Um, I believe he wouldn't be on your list then. That's Ventrell Miller from oh, yeah, Florida. Yeah, from Florida. I was just. Honestly, I was skating through the list and jumping around between like the better guys, the quote unquote worst guys, looking for anything. And I am glad I watched Miller. Um, so he's number five. At number four, I also have Dayon Henley, Washington State. Never watched State. There we go. Um, and at number three, I also have Trenton Simpson. So I guess we're not too far off outside of the players that we didn't watch. 
Um, again, everyone's watching our show for discourse and we're just going to agree with each other, but whatever. <laughs> um, so Ventral Miller, a player that, yeah. you know, he's like, he's fourth on my list. So it's not like I think he's, you know, who or fifth on my list, excuse me. But, um, I, he's probably my favorite as a, as a gem. I think I really do like that. Eventually it was just refreshing to see a player attack the line of scrimmage, um, as a run defender, obviously, yeah. you know, take on those blockers meet the ball carrier you know at the line of scrimmage behind the line of scrimmage um i believe he's either first or second in this class of like the 18 or so that i have ranked um in average at the tackle in the run game which i believe it's first i could be wrong he just plays the position against the run you know in a way that you love because of that physicality um against utah if you recall the four attempts utah tried to run the ball in from the goal line um, he was involved in preventing them from doing that, including being the guy on fourth down that dropped yep. Tavion Thomas um, on fourth down and prevented them from getting a touchdown on fourth and goal. So that mentality is just very rare in this class, to be honest. I think the same way you might like a Papau or Papo. Um, and so just watching him going against like Utah's interior, Tennessee's interior, you really just see like the physical parts of the run game. I never really got a sense that he's like uh, an elite tester. Uh, I don't believe he's tested at this point. Um, and I don't think he's like a prototype at the position, but I, I do think he is like smart enough to carry running backs and tight ends. Not the most athletic, maybe, but I think the IQ is definitely there. I just don't think you're going to get like a legit coverage corner, or excuse me, coverage linebacker immediately. But I mean, I'll take it, honestly. Like he does diagnose, he does read in the run game. He's fine taking on blockers. He wants to work downhill. Best average depth of tackle in the game for these, at least this class, which isn't saying hmm. a lot. Um, but it does mean a lot to me that he's trying to go and attack the line of scrimmage and make plays behind the line of scrimmage. Um, I believe his average depth of the tackle is like 2.4 yards. Something like Jack Campbell's like 3.1, I believe, which isn't like a huge difference, but at least shows you like this guy's trying yeah. to make plays closer to the line of scrimmage than wait for guys. Yeah. Ventral Miller um, definitely, you know, did not watch him outside of the Utah game, but I mean, listen, Tavion Thomas is not an easy guy to tackle and Ventral Miller was doing it all game long against, uh, against us. So, um, I, I think coverage is is a bit of a liability. You know, I think they yeah. Utah really isolated him with Dalton Kincaid and Brant Keithy in that particular matchup. Um, but in terms of playing the run, you know, I do, I do remember against Utah, he was he was very very active. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, definitely, I might watch him. I don't know. We'll see how the, the rest of the, the rest of the month goes. Um, but I think we get, we're going to be pretty similar here in terms of yeah. the. Uh, top two, it's Drew Sanders from Arkansas, and number two for me. And then number one is Jack Campbell from Iowa. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I was very hesitant on Drew Sanders at first because uh, I think, like, you watch his Alabama tape, and there's some good flashes yes. there as an edge rusher mm-hmm. and kind of gave me some like Kyler Fackrell vibes. I'm not just saying that because he's okay. white, just like similar styles. <laughs> Um, but I, like, I was a little surprised. Like I turned on Arkansas and I'm like, this guy's an off ball linebacker. I thought he was an edge rusher. Like what the heck is happening <laughs> here? Um, but like from a frame standpoint, like I think he has a lot of upside there as a, as a true linebacker. Cause he has that length. He has that true, like height, weight, speed profile. Um, so I, I do like him as an edge rusher. I think that that gives him a little bit more versatility because like this is not somebody who like oh occasionally he can line up on the edge like he was a straight up edge at Alabama, and now he's making the transition to linebacker. So that versatility I think definitely makes him you know it it gives gives him a leg up on the rest of this class. 
because he can do more things. Definitely a work in progress when it comes to like playing the run. But I think his length lends itself towards, you know, a profile that can really learn how to truly stack and shed gives him some, some advantages within the box. So he's, he's not as refined. It's going to be a work in progress. You know, if to me, like this is the guy that I think the Chargers would be most interested in because he, you know, he's able to do a lot more things from a versatility standpoint. And there's, there's definitely some untapped potential there. I don't think the Chargers will be taking a linebacker in round two uh, where he's probably going to be going, but um, there's a lot to like here, you know, whether or not you're talking about the frame, the versatility, you know, he is somebody that I think would make a lot of sense for the Chargers. But, you know, again, you're talking about having to take him in round two. I just can't really see that happening. Yeah. There's such a big projection with him here. I actually have Simpson created higher, but with Mm. Sanders, it's just like, this dude played five box snaps before <laughs> this past year. Yeah. And and then all of a sudden he's got 700 something and he's, he's, I think he's 21 years old, you know? Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of these guys you're watching him. It's like, dude, you're in your sixth year. What are we doing? Um, Drew Sanders, you know, 21 years old, so much room to grow that he was able to do all the things that he did as a linebacker. Whenever playing linebacker is really yeah. impressive. Yeah. Um, and, and you just see the, the player that had to play edge, the stacking and shedding he had to do at the line against tackles against other tight ends like this dude can be really physical like this dude has the physical profile to eat up climbers at the second level right um, he just needs to get better at diagnosing these things it's if this were a player that had started at linebacker for three years you know and this was a natural position he'd be you know 10th 9th 8th i don't know maybe on my list because you're worried about what he's showing but this dude just started playing linebacker. And not that, like, you know, edge rusher is so far from linebacker. It's not like he's switching from tight end to linebacker. But still, like, there's a lot of diagnosing the way you see It's definitely different, yeah. It's definitely different. And, like, the way he sees things, it's not quite there yet. But then sometimes he'll just be like, okay, I'm going to go kill that guy. And he's going to stack and shed (laughs) and throw guys. And you think, man, like, if if I, if, if, you know, D'Amico Ryan's at Houston or the Niners or whoever, I don't know what systems they prefer like what they would do with him but like these guys that can develop linebackers you know take someone like a fred warner and develop him yeah if you're really good at developing a linebacker and you feel comfortable with that drew sanders is going to be awesome if he goes somewhere where haven't really seen great linebacker development you probably don't hear from him but if you can develop this dude because of what he showed in just one year after only five snaps in the box after that before that could be amazing yeah, I think what was really one of the standouts for me for watching Drew Sanders was just like his range. And like there were a couple of times where like you could tell like he's like, OK, I'm, am I supposed to go here? I'm not really sure. But then he closes that gap in a hurry. And then like you said, like he he packs a wall, man, like he's he's physical. And I think that does stand out. So there's the the diagnosing is is a little bit, you know, like I said, he's he's barely played linebacker. You know, he's he grew up an edge rusher and I think it was a tight end in high school as well. So he's played like one half of his season as, as a true linebacker, <laughs> yeah. you know, cause he was still doing kind of a hybrid thing. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to like you. There's a lot of upside, you know, it's kind of a ball of clay, if you will. Mm-hmm. And just like his range, his length, his size, it all stands out, especially when you're talking about this class. So um, Jack Campbell, <laughs> far and away linebacker, number one for, for me. Yeah. This is, the, this is the biggest gap of any one versus two in of any group that I've graded so far. I don't think Jack Campbell's like a perfect linebacker. You know, I have a 6.8 grade on him, which is kind of like, you know, it's it's a 
mid second round grade, like high second round yeah. grade. Um, you know, he doesn't offer a ton as a pass rusher, but in a group where there's not a ton of like guys who are really going to come down and, and lay the wood and stack and shed and properly diagnose, like Jack Campbell is so refined at the true like linebacker stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to come in and I, I, I would not be surprised if he has like 95 tackles next year for, for mm-hmm. whoever he plays for. So I like Jack Campbell a lot. It's, it's a shame that the Chargers wouldn't be able to draft him because him and Eric Kendricks would be super fun together. Yeah. Um, but I just, you know, there's so much to like here. You know, it does, it does, it is kind of unfortunate that there's just like no chance the Chargers take him. <laughs> yeah. I know that he's kind of available in, in mock drafts in the second round. I don't know. I think when you are, at least in my opinion, so far and away, the linebacker one of your group, I think that kind of pushes you up in a way. Sure. Even the linebacker sort of devalued. It's like, well, if we don't get Jack Campbell, who are we taking? And, and to me, he's just, you know, you're looking for the safest guy possible sometimes. You know, maybe someone, back into the first run i don't know but at some point you don't get maybe the the number one guy on your board um for like premium positions but at some point you just need a player who's gonna hit um and literally jack campbell will do that and i think that he's just <laughs> yeah he's he's just safe from i mean look at the athletic profile tested amazing look at the film he's the guy you are for sure sure that can actually play right away Will he be better in Sanders and than in Sanders in, in four years? I don't know. If someone develops Sanders, Sanders is probably better. But Jack Campbell right away is already very good, I think. Not yeah. elite, you know, Nicobe Dean would be better, Devin Lloyd would be better, Chad Muma, I would argue, would be better. Um, maybe mm. debatable there. But you know, I'd say Muma and Sa- and it's I'd say Muma and sorry to cut you off. I'd say Muma and Jack Campbell would be very similar for me. Yeah, I could say that. Um so he's not like the greatest linebacker, but I just think the, the numbers are good. The testing is good. The film is good. You feel very safe about him. He actually plays linebacker position like you quote unquote want to play linebacker position. The first couple of games I watched of his, I wasn't in love. Then I watched him play Ohio State. And for whatever reason, like I don't know what they did to him, um, but he was very unhappy stacking <laughs> and shedding. No problem. Like, that yeah. was the game. I was like, dang, that's what everybody's been talking about. Um, and you see it. It's, it's, it's honestly a kind of a no brainer for me. I do think he is linebacker one. Will he be the best in three years? Who knows? But right now, he's linebacker one, and I feel honestly very comfortable about that. Yeah, absolutely. So lots to like about Jack Campbell. I'm a big fan of his, and uh, it be very interesting to see where he ends up going because I think you know a lot of the teams who still need linebackers, I mean, you're, still, you're probably not going to take one in the first round. I mean, you're not probably. You're definitely not taking one of these linebackers in the first round. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe he is there for the Chargers at pick 54, but um, – you know, given their needs on offense, I would just be very, very surprised at uh, a linebacker in round two. Yeah, I I think you paid Kendricks enough. And, and again, I don't that would be the cutoff for for competing with Kenneth Murray to actually beat him out legitimately for a legit competition. I think you have to take someone in the second round. If you get someone in the third round, I don't think you're beating out Kenneth Murray in yeah. year one now do i and, you know, and chargers fans feel like that linebacker might be better sure but this is you know we know how the chargers operate so this is if they want to take someone to beat out kenneth murray now it'll be in the second round otherwise i don't think anybody else does yeah absolutely so i will say like from a chargers perspective i think i'm probably good on linebacker at this point i think my preference would just be to bring back calvin Oy and and bring back that vision that the chargers had for him 
if they want to draft somebody, it's got to be somebody who blitzes at a high level because I do think yeah. they are going to miss Drew Tranquil's blitzing ability. Mm-hmm. They don't really have that right now outside of Kenneth Murray. You know, Nick Neiman's not a great blitzer. Eamon is not a great blitzer. You know, Kendricks is kind of past his prime in that regard. So mm. if they do take a flyer on somebody at day three, it's got to be somebody that can at least give you some kind of pop as a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a Diabate. Maybe that's a, you know, Noah Sewell. I'm just kidding. Not Noah Sewell. That was dumb of me. I don't know why I said that. Um, <laughs> but it's got to be somebody of pass rusher. Maybe it's Ivan Pace. I don't know. But yeah, um, that, that's the one thing that I think if the Chargers are going after a linebacker on day three, it's got to be somebody who can give you something as a pass rusher. Yeah, I would agree. Or, or, and hear me out, guys. Just play Nick Neiman, please. Yes. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's preventing them from doing it. I get he's a special teams guy, but like the dude walked in the preseason, led the entire NFL in like run stops for the preseason as a rookie. And yeah. they're just like, eh, you know, and he's fine on special teams. Like that's, and he, he blocked a kick or a punt, I should say. A lot of good roles there. But like, I'll be completely honest, remembering how he played in college and watching him after they drafted him, like he would be linebacker five six in this class to be completely i think it would be higher than that man <laughs> because he like nick neven legitimately and again we see jack campbell from iowa as well he can legitimately play linebacker like he was diagnosing yeah. attacking stacking shedding a high ras profile like i really wish they would give nick neven a shot maybe they will but they have a first rounder in the way who again if the if, if kenneth murray starts i hope he's awesome but we'll see yeah, no, I, I, Nick Neiman for me would be ahead of everybody in this class outside of Simpson, Sanders, and Camel. Like, I, mm. Dan Henley, like, there's a lot to like there, but it's like he's a 23 year old project. Like, I, I just have a hard time, like, really wrapping my arms around this group. You know, mm. um, I, I haven't watched Ventro Miller, so, you know, maybe that's kind of that guy, but, you know, Nick Neiman, I think, is, is definitely somebody who deserves a shot this year. I'm very curious to see what they do because last year they carried six linebackers. <laughs> in part because of special teams, right? Because Troy oh, Reader, yeah. Nick Neiman, and Aiman and Agbogamia were all all special teams players for them. They don't have Troy Reader. They only have four linebackers on the roster right now. I think four was what Staley carried on the Rams. I don't think it's going to be six. So I don't know. Maybe they're set. Maybe this is the four. They take an undrafted free agent shot on somebody, and then that's it. <laughs> i hope kendrick's is awesome man <laughs> <laughs> and the death is concerning because like amen has shown flashes nick neiman has shown flashes but there's just there's not a lot of trust in that group that's why i thought i thought i figured troy reader would just come back because it's like they know yeah. what he is like you know they they have that veteran you know linebacker three that they like but at some point you kind of do got to see what you have in nick neiman and amen ogbogbamiga yeah Oh gosh, Ventron Miller's 24 years old. <laughs> Shit. I'm definitely not watching him now. <laughs> uh, I hate this linebacker class so much. Oh my God. This right. class was so frustrating for me. I would like alternate in back and forth between like receivers that I hadn't watched yet or like offensive linemen because I'm like, I need a break. I, I can't keep doing this. <laughs> yeah, I saw you on Twitter like, okay, um, oh God, who's the guy from the UCLA? Not Gaines. Antonio Mafi. Yeah, he's like 320th on the consensus board. And you're like, I'm going to watch him instead of these <laughs> linebackers. Or I'm going to watch A.T. Perry. How about some A.T. Perry film? Yeah. Uh, Have to take a you. break. I couldn't keep doing it. <laughs> oh, 20, about to be 25. Oh, man. All right, whatever. He's going to be great. He's, he's All right. Fine. There we go. 
So I appreciate all of you draft nerds out here that's that stuck around for our linebacker conversation. That was a lot yeah, of you fun. Guys, you guys are sick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you said that we were not going to have 30. We got 155 right now watching. Yeah. Well, okay. We I well, never mind. I can't say it cuz we talked about with someone else earlier that we hit about 150 today. And so <laughs> Yes, not more than 30 though. Thank you guys. I would hate to do that. Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> uh yeah, so that that's the linebacker. That's linebackers. That's linebackers. <laughs> wrapped it up. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Sunday's episode is going to be a lot more fun. Uh, we decided it was going to be into your offensive line, correct? Yes. So this into your offensive line class is amazing. I love this into your offensive line class so much. Granted, I love offensive line and play in general, but I think you can get through like 12, 13 guys and find some quality into your offensive linemen in this class. This is a very deep into your offensive line group. So I'm excited to dive into that one. Um, Tyler, any final thoughts before we head out? No, let me get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us today, guys. Appreciate everybody for tuning in Uh, again. Like I said, make sure to like the video, subscribe. If you're listening, make sure and uh, leave us a rating review and, uh, we'll see you guys on Sunday for into your offensive line. We'll also take some questions that day as well. Hope you guys have a good one.